Life is difficult, isn't it? Life is challenging, shocking, right? No surprise here. We all know that. But we all have stories in our life of struggle, don't we? You know, many of you know I've got three little girls and uh, we talk all the time sometimes when they're frustrated, when they're angry and it's over the most ridiculous stuff. And I just look at them, I go, yeah, life's tough, huh? It's hard. You don't always get what you want. I know, I get it. But for those of us that have lived a little bit longer, I think we would all agree that life is hard. There is difficult stuff that we go through in life. And, and for those of us who are following Jesus, trying to follow Jesus, we find that there's a spiritual struggle in the midst of that as well. Not only is life hard, but there's even a spiritual dimension of it that's tough as well. And it's called discouragement. Discouragement is one of those things that as you read through the Bible, you realize for those who are seeking to follow God and to know God, that there's this opposition, there's this enemy that actually takes advantage of the hardships in our life to discourage us even more. But for a lot of people, when they think about hardships in life, they, they usually think, well, this is just because of tough circumstances or poor choices or uh, bad luck, if you will. And so I think that's why some of the most common questions we ask one another going throughout our day is, how's it going? And most of us would say, well, if circumstances are good, we say, well, good. If circumstances aren't good, we say, it's not so good. And we tend to equate how we're doing in light of the hardships that we're facing in our life. And so there's an assumption there that whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, the, the journey in life is trying to do everything we can to get ourselves out of those hardships so that we can answer the question, yeah, we're good. Things are good, right? And for the person who's trying to know and follow God, there's another element here too, because we're trying to cling to God in the midst of those hardships. We're starting to wonder like, okay, God, this is really hard. Where are you in the midst of that thing? In fact, I know for me, as I think about the people I talk to and I think about others in my life and even times in my own life where I go, it's easy for people in the midst of hardship to say, okay, God, I don't even know where you're at. I'm just going to do something else because obviously you're not paying attention to what I'm going through in the midst of that. And so it's understandable wherever you're at in your faith journey with God, we all agree life is difficult. Life is a struggle, but how we respond to those hardships is another matter as well. We can respond in an unhealthy way. We can respond in a healthy way to the hardships that we find in our life. And I don't know about you, but for me, I think back to so many different times in my life where I've experienced a struggle and I have not responded very well. And it caused all kinds of havoc and devastation in some of the choices I made or just being stressed out or anxious. What would it look like for us? What would it look like if we could face our difficulties and overcome discouragement in a healthy way? Uh, what if we could acknowledge our problems head on, get help from others and trust God in the midst of the hardships that we all have in our life? See, today we're in the middle of this series called When Life Gives You Lemons, because I want to look at how God can actually take the difficult circumstances in our life and actually make them into something like lemonade. God can do that. 
And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of a guy who knew all about hardship. We're going to learn from his life and see the kind of lessons we can take from his journey of hardship. This is the story of Joseph. So it was like his whole life was one lemon after another. He, he, when he was a baby, his mother had died and his father was pretty old and he played favorites in his family and there's all kind of family of origin issues going on. And in fact, because he played favorites and Joseph was the favorite, of course, all of his brothers hated him as a result of that. And his dad was kind of a sneaky scoundrel kind of guy. He didn't have the greatest reputation. I mean, he knew God, but he certainly had his quirks and his failings. And he brought all of that into his family dynamics. And so I could just imagine how difficult it was for Joseph to grow up in this particular household. But his brothers schemed against him. They, they mistreated him and they eventually finally betrayed him. In fact, what they wanted to do was they wanted to kill him. They hated him so much. But just because of one brother standing up for him, they ended up saying, okay, we're not going to kill him. But he ended up being sold off into slavery. And so he starts to spend part of his life without any rights at all anymore. He becomes a slave in a foreign land. And then although he serves faithfully for many years, he ends up getting falsely accused for something that he didn't do. And he gets thrown into prison. And then he's kind of left there. He helps out some, some guys that could possibly get him out. But they forget about him for two years. This guy knew all about hardship. And he had every single right to be discouraged and disappointed. And I don't know about you, but you know, when we think about our life, every stage in our life, whether we're a kid or whether we're an empty nester, we all go through struggles. You know, as kids, we, we struggle to learn how to eat broccoli and do our homework and not fight with our siblings. When we're a teenager, we, we struggle with acne and what other people think about us and the reputation that we want to have. And will that person dance with me at the school dance? I mean, we struggle with all kinds of these random things in our life. And as we get older, the problems start to change a little bit, but there's still struggle. We still play the comparison game. We're in a pandemic where everything feels uncertain. We've lost somebody in our life. There's all these kind of struggles and hardships that you're facing right now that we are facing right now. And whatever your problem is right now, I want to encourage you, whatever your hardship is, here's the great news. You're not alone. We've all gone through these different struggles and hardships to some degree. And that's the beautiful thing about the church community is that if you're going through that, probably somebody else has as well or is going through it. And there is hope in the midst of that. And so the church is not a place for perfect people. Thank you, God. It's why we need God to show us how to handle these hardships in a way that's real and healthy. But before we do, we have to think about the different ways we respond to hardship in an unhealthy way. And usually there's three that come to my mind. First, we give in. When we're facing hardships in our life, we tend to give in. We give up. We're overwhelmed. We're like, fine, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and collapse under the weight of this hardship. And I saw these memes going around on Facebook over the last couple of weeks, and I know there's a million of them out there, but there's one picture of these two very well put together women, like business women, and one saying, 
you know, COVID crisis has helped me get my fitness back and my eating right, while the other one says, COVID has helped me eat this gallon of ice cream right beforehand. I mean, it's just kind of this, right? It's, it's all of that because we're all numbing ourselves in different ways to deal with hardship, but we can give in. Others, we can be in denial. You know, for some of us, maybe we've heard things like, well, this sickness isn't really that serious, or, you know, my daughter is just going through this phase, or these are just thoughts, I'm not gonna act on it. We've heard these things, we've said these things, and in some ways we might be denying a problem or a difficulty that we're not willing to face. Or lastly, we can fight for control. With, you know, it's like there's so many things that are going on in our world and when we go through hardship, we wanna fix it and we wanna control it and we try to do all these things to do that and we can only control so much. So what do we do? I've done this, you've done this, we've all done this. How can we respond to hardship in a healthy way? When life got hard for Joseph, he had every reason to respond in one of these three areas. And what we find is that he didn't. And so what I want to do is, in the remainder of our time, I want to look at four lessons we can learn from the life of Joseph to respond to hardship in a healthy way where we can see God do what only he can do in the midst of our hardships when we actually apply some of these lessons in our life. And so if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 37, but I'm going to be skipping around through the story of Joseph. And Genesis 37 through 50 is really about the story of Joseph. So we're going to hop along there, but you can follow along in the bulletin as well. But here's the first thing if you're taking notes. The first lesson we learn when we're facing hardship from Joseph's own life is this. The first thing we need to do in order to respond in a healthy way to hardship is this. Maintain a relationship with God. Maintain a relationship with God. Even in the hardest moments, one of the things you see in the life of Joseph is there's this line there. The Lord was with Joseph. Over and over and over again, you see this show up in his story. And even in the hardest moments, like when he's sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar. No, this is not from It's a Wonderful Life, okay, you guys? But this Egyptian owner basically had him come into his house to serve his household. In Genesis 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him. See, the tragedy of Joseph's circumstances were outside of his control, but what he did have control of was his relationship with God. See, understandably, in, in our world, when people experience tragedy or hardship, that's the natural question. Where is God in the midst of that? And yet this isn't Joseph's response. Clearly, his relationship with God has shown up in what Potiphar sees in his behavior. He notices something's different about this guy. He's doing things in a way that is very effective. He's He's good at what he does. He's, he's helping out. He's successful. In fact, he's so successful, I'm actually going to put him in charge of my whole household and all of the responsibilities. He's basically going to be the number two guy in my own home. And so somehow Joseph didn't let his circumstances keep him from prayer. Somehow his circumstances didn't keep him from meditating on God's truth, which he probably got from his father, Jacob, who again was messed up. 
but he knew the truth about the one true God. And even he's falsely accused of betraying his master later in the story. He doesn't turn his back on God, even when his life doesn't get better and he's thrown in prison for it. Notice in Genesis 39, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. Verse 23, the warden didn't bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Now, we've talked about this before, but we naturally assume when circumstances in our life aren't going very well, we naturally think this is a reflection upon what God thinks about me. I'm going through tough times. That means God is displeased with me. He's not happy with me. He's punishing me. He's out to get me. And what we see here is that's clearly not the case. See, with God, Joseph was finding favor in the worst possible circumstances. And without God, the worst possible circumstances are what? Just that. They're they're just worthless, horrible things that happen in the world. There's no value. There's no hope. There's no one that can redeem it and restore it. And as a result, there's no strength to hang in there in the midst of that hardship. And so the first lesson we learn in hardship from Joseph is this, is we've got to maintain our relationship with God. Now, I get it. Some of us, we're just exploring God. But wherever you're at, we all attach our heart to something. We're we're trusting in something to get us through. We're we're trusting in someone or ourselves or, or some other religious idea that the only the one true God can actually deliver on. And so the first Lesson is to maintain a relationship with God or even start a relationship with God. Now, here's what's really important. It's not to appease God to get us out of it, but because God wants to show his favor to you in it. Which leads us to the next lesson we learned from Joseph. Number two, it's this. It's to refuse to give in to temptation. Refuse to give in to temptation. Now, I remember years ago, As I was young in my career, I was trying to be successful in my new job. I was trying to impress. You know, I'm trying to do everything I can to go ahead and and be successful in what I was kind of called to do. And in the midst of that, I was really frustrated. Things weren't going the way I wanted to. I wasn't getting the momentum I thought I needed to be getting. And as a result, I thought, okay, if I could just send out this email to this huge list I'm going to go ahead and see a ton of people respond. I'm going to get a ton of momentum and it's going to be great. And so I sidestepped an approval process. It did not go well for me. It did not go well. Now, the great news is I had a very gracious group of people above me that that confronted me on it and I apologized. But I know this, I feel like I tainted whatever favor I had in that moment. You know, I I was afraid. I was acting out of pride. I was was stressed. And, And sometimes when we go through hard things, we want to go ahead and take control and do it our way. But there's always a way of dealing with hardship that is pleasing to God. And notice what Joseph does when Potiphar's wife basically tempts him. Genesis 39, verse six, he left all that he owned. He's talking about Potiphar. 
He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. I mean, whoa. And so in verse 7, after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. Now, to respond to Potiphar's wife in this way, in that culture, was basically to usurp authority from Potiphar. It was basically saying, this all belongs to me now. This would have been a power move for Joseph to go ahead and do. And it was an attractive one, right? She was inviting him to seize the ticket to freedom, to security and pleasure with her. And by, by, by the account of this, think about this. Joseph had actually been serving in this household for probably about 11 years. He'd been doing this a long time. Can you just imagine some of the things going through his head? I deserve this. I've worked so hard. I've done all this. And what have I gotten in return? I'm stuck in this place. Where's God in the midst of this? I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do. I'm just going to get a little pleasure for myself. And what would our world say? Amen. You deserve that. You should take that. Absolutely. But notice Joseph doesn't do that. Verse eight, he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house. He's put all that he owns under my authority and no one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil how could I sin against God? See, Joseph's love of God was greater in this moment than his love for that moment. Joseph's love for God was greater in this moment than his love for that moment. We often think, if I just had enough willpower, then I could overcome my temptations. The reality is willpower doesn't work. And that's not what the Christian life is even all about. It's about falling in love with this God who is so generous and kind and merciful and gracious as you are captured by his love. That love, as it grows, becomes so powerful that you're able to look at things and say, I don't want to do this. Now, here's reality. We all fall into temptation. We all do. But God is so good. He provides a way for us to find forgiveness in the midst of it. But Joseph doesn't fall to temptation at this point. He's faithful to God. And here's the bummer. Here's the problem. She lies about him. And she screams and tears a part of his clothes. And he runs out. And suddenly it looks like he was trying to seduce her or even rape her. And it didn't work out how we wanted it to work out as we read the story. And so it's in these moments, right? When we're challenged even more to obey God, even when our circumstances don't even work out. When we're faithful, when we trust, when we resist, it's like. So like when some of us were, we're praying for a loved one and their health and they pass away. Or our spouse doesn't want to change and files for divorce after we've done everything to repair and reconcile the relationship. Or that business partner has lied 
and you didn't, and that yet you're stuck paying for it. I mean, there's all of these things that just seem unjust. And so it would be very easy for us to just say, yeah, why shouldn't I just give up and give in? When we face hardship like Joseph, we have to remember something. Joseph is, is playing the long game. He's trusting that God is in some way going to fix all this stuff. Even in the midst of those moment by moments where it doesn't work out how he wants it to work out. And so when we face hardship like Joseph, number one, we maintain our relationship with God. Number two, we resist giving in to temptation. And number three, we focus on serving others. We focus on serving others. Now, Joseph, being human, I'm sure he had moments, right, where he was like, having a little pity party. I'm sure he was. But he was really active in serving the needs of other people throughout his story. It's amazing. As you, you see over and over again, you see these different individuals seeing him serve and be responsible and fix and offer solutions. And because of that, he gets more authority. He gets more opportunity. He gets more favor. So even in prison, he's falsely accused. He's put into prison. And here is Joseph who has every right to be angry and to be a, have a pity party. He uses his God-given strengths and his character to go ahead and serve. And, and the prison warden is amazed by this. And he gives him all this responsibility. And so now he's going around serving the needs of the others in the prison with him. And he meets Pharaoh's two servants, the, his baker and his cupbearer, who have been imprisoned for different reasons. And when Joseph, in Genesis 40, verse 6, came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We had dreams, they said to him, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now, when you read through the whole story, you realize that God's given Joseph this ability. He understands dreams because of God's help, and he always gives God credit for them. But he shows an active interest in these random guys in the prison. Now, Dr. Carl Menninger, a famous psychiatrist, he once said this. He was giving a lecture at a mental, for about mental health, and he was answering some questions from the audience. And someone said, hey, would you advise a person to do, what would you advise a person to do who felt a nervous breakdown coming on? Like, how would you respond to them? How would you help them? What would you say? And everyone's expecting him to say, well, immediately send them down to the street to the local psychiatrist. But he didn't. Immediately to their astonishment, he said, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find someone in need and help that person. In other words, don't focus on yourself, focus in on someone else's needs. Now, this doesn't mean that Joseph didn't want to get out of prison. It didn't mean that he was laissez-faire with his situation. He actually tells the baker and the cupbearer, after he interprets their dreams, and by the way, those two dreams had two different outcomes. One was good, one was not so good. And sure enough, it comes to pass. And the cupbearer ends up going back to work under Pharaoh. And as he's leaving prison, as Joseph had predicted, with God's help, 
He said, hey, don't forget about me. In other words, remember what I've done for you. But this cupbearer forgets. And two years pass by. Talk about lemons after lemons after lemons. Until finally one day, Pharaoh is having these dreams and nobody in the land can interpret them. Until finally the cupbearer goes, wait a minute, I know this guy two years ago who helped me out. We should get him. Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison. Joseph gives all the credit to God, interprets these dreams. And then when the Pharaoh says, what should we do about this? Because the dreams were really about seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. David offered his God-inspired wisdom to say, these are the things that we should do. And Pharaoh said, I agree. I'm going to have you be my number two man. And he becomes the number two authority in all of Egypt. I mean, this story is insane. It's crazy. Joseph would never have anticipated anything like this. And so when we look at Joseph's life, what do we learn? Number one, we should maintain a relationship with God. Number two, we should resist giving in to temptation. Number three, focus on serving others in the midst of hardship. And number four, lastly, trust in God's purposes. Trust in God's purposes. It's been 13 years since he's been with his family. He's now started a family of his own. And Joseph realizes all of the work that God's done in his life and through his life up until this point. And he's looking back at all this and he's amazed by it. And now at this particular point, his family, his brothers, who actually were the ones that had the worst intentions in mind for him, he sees them again because the famine has brought the family to Egypt because Egypt actually has food because of Joseph's wisdom and leadership. And in the midst of that, he recognizes his family and he's overwhelmed by it. And there's this amazing dialogue that happens and all these kind of things that Joseph does. But the point is this, he eventually reveals himself to his family and his father finally comes back to see for himself. And in the midst of all of this, Jacob, his father, is so grateful to be able to see his favorite son again and dies. And so his brothers now think, okay, the only reason why we're alive right now, that he's not getting back at us, is because our father was alive and now he's dead. What's he going to do? But notice Joseph. He trusts in God's purposes. He's able to see all the work that God's done in the midst of all of this horrible tragedy and hardship. Notice what he says in Genesis 50, verse 18. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him and said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Life is difficult. Life is filled with hardships. But does that mean that God isn't ruling and reigning right now? You and I don't have to be the victim of our hardships. You, don't, you and I don't have to give in or give up. We don't have to be overwhelmed. There is hope. 
we can face our hardships like Joseph. But what was the difference maker for him? I mean, think about it. I mean, how on earth could he possibly have done this? I mean, when we look at these four lessons, it's like, well, that sounds great. But how did he continue to do those things? I mean, what was the motive? How did he get there? And if I were to sum it up, I would say it's this. Why should we respond to hardship like Joseph? It's this. Because unfavorable circumstances can't stop God's favor. Unfavorable circumstances can't stop God's favor. Over and over and over again. What does it say? The Lord was with Joseph. The same God whose favor was with Joseph is the same God who proves his favor is available for you and me today. Matthew 1, 23 says this. It's about Jesus coming into the world miraculously. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The difference maker for Joseph is the same difference maker available to us in Jesus. God is with us. And the difference maker for us to respond to hardship like Joseph is in this Jesus whose suffering for our own sin has made our own salvation possible with this amazing guarantee out of Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I mean, this is a verse I know for those of you who have been in the church a while, it gets thrown around all the time. But it's true. It's because of what Jesus has done. It doesn't say the things that happen in life are good when they're bad, like cancer, like pandemics, like genocide. These are horrible, horrific things that God is at work redeeming and restoring in broken creation. But for those who love God, he's working things out for good all according to his purpose. So life is hard. Life is challenging. We face disappointment. We face discouragement. And here's the deal right now. I know some of us, we're in danger of allowing these hardships to cause us to react in unhealthy ways, to to give up, to give in, to be overwhelmed, to deny, uh, to try and control, to, 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 to totally cause us to be worried and afraid. And some of us right now, God wants us to be free of that even in the midst of hardship. And who's our hope? It's in Jesus. He suffered the worst possible hardships on our behalf. So when we fail, when we wander, when we do fall to temptation, when we want to give up, he doesn't give up. He's over all of it. He went through hardships far greater than Joseph did. Jesus wasn't taken away, but he willingly stepped out of his home in heaven, taking on human flesh, being falsely accused, ignored and humiliated to die for you and for me to make sure that God could be with us in the midst of all of the hardships we face in life, even death itself. That is incredible news. That, that, that is hope in the midst of hardship, whatever you're going through. And I am not minimizing any of that that we're going through. And so what's our next step? 
the same God that promises to be with you and me in hardship, he can bring something good out of it somehow, some way. Again, let's take the long view here. But what's our next step? Well, maybe for some of us, it's, it's to start a relationship with God. How do you have that? It's placing your faith in Jesus and getting to know who this Jesus is for you. And we have resources for you. We've got groups for you to do that. But start reading about Jesus. Get into the New Testament. Start reading about his life. That might be for you. For some of you, it's keep leaning into your groups. Keep, keep showing up to our online connect groups. We, that's available for you to be encouraged in the midst of the journey. Maybe uh, for some of us, it's, we've got to resist the temptation to give up. We've got to reach out to one another. And one of the things I love about our church, let me just brag on you a moment. Man, the way in which you love each other, the way in which you say, I need help. I need prayer. Could you pray for me? I know this person. This person needs prayer. Hey, not only just pray. Hey, let's go serve. Hey, let's go serve people that don't even know God. Let's, let's just go ahead and pray for people and love people and care and serve for people that just need help. That's what this community does. And maybe for some of us, we need to step out and serve and join in the journey to kind of take the focus off ourselves and start to serve the people around us and find a healthy response to our hardship in that way. Or maybe lastly, trust in God's purposes, knowing that whatever you're going through right now, keep walking through it. Keep walking through it because at some point you're going to get through it. And even though it might not make sense right now, God in his great wisdom is going to bring something good out of it. I don't know how. But with Jesus rising from the dead, he can do that. So none of us are perfect and life is difficult. But unfavorable circumstances can't stop our favor from God. And that is incredible news. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your overwhelming love, your grace, your power, the way in which you stepped out of heaven to take on human flesh so that you could be with us that you could reconcile us and, and bring us back to God, that you could die for our sin. And for those who place your, our faith in you, we could be with you forever, starting right now. For some of us, we need to be reminded that you're the God who is not distant. You're the God who is not far away, that is not unaware of the challenges in our life, but that your favor is available to us. You are at work on behalf of those who love you. And for those of us that maybe have never given our lives to God, we've never given our life to Jesus, maybe it's time to start the journey and say, I don't have it all figured out, but I want to start to learn about this Jesus and this church and other great churches that might be closer to you. We would love to help you with that. You just got to reach out and sign up and get into a group. God, we love you. We thank you. Would you help us respond to hardships in a healthy way, even this week? In Jesus' name, amen.